Praise the Lord. It's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. I'm so grateful today that I have a daddy, and I'm so grateful for all the dads, for all the men. It's so important that uh, men be men today. Hallelujah. So we're talking about mighty men. I have a picture here, I believe, of uh, my dad. And uh, right there, which we don't have it here, but you can see that's my dad and uh, my father-in-law also. Two men who greatly impacted my life. My daddy was my hero and uh, really uh, a special person. He loved God. He loved his his, he loved his wife. He loved my mama. He loved us kids. I never questioned. I never doubted my dad's love for me. I didn't like everything he told me. I didn't like everything, you know, that he tried to make me do or he tried to make me live right and do right, you know, as a kid growing up. But uh, I'm so thankful and I miss my daddy every day. He's been gone several years. And so let me just say this. If your daddy's still here, I remember uh, several years ago, Mark Hankins, just he and I were talking and he said, he said, you know, the last time I saw my daddy, he's standing on the front porch crying because I was leaving. And he said it was Saturday and I was preaching and I thought I need to get home. And he'd asked me to stay just a little bit longer. And I said, no, daddy, I got to go study. And he, he looked at me, he said, I didn't need to go study. He said, I needed to spend time with him. He said, and he looked at me, he said, if, you're, if your parents are still alive, you talk to them, you call them. I'm like, yes, sir, thank you. You know, and sometimes we need to be told that. We need, well, you know, they should call me. Yeah, I know they should, but if they don't, you call them. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful for my father-in-law. He gave me an amazing gift when he said yes, that I could marry his beautiful daughter. And so he, you know, we worked together and, and uh, you know, he, he loved me and I loved him. And so I'm thankful. We honor the men in our life. We try to do according to Ephesians 6, verse 1 said, Children, do what your parents tell you. This is only right. Honor your father and mother is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it, namely, so you can live well and have a long life. I want to live well and have a long life, don't you? So we honor, even though my daddy's been in heaven many years, I honor my daddy. This, I've looked at this before, but I think some of these are kind of fun. Why it's great to be a guy. You know, guys, it's great to be a guy. Don't forget that. Don't be talked out of it. Don't let the world tell you, oh, no, you know, you just need to be whatever the world's trying to make you today. It's great to be a guy. If you are a guy, you know lots of cool stuff. Right? Guys just know things and things that are... I talked to Josiah, and he's like, good job, Nuggets, you know. But I, he, he knows all about their ages and their heights and their salaries and who's going to be traded and, you know, all kinds of... It, you know stuff like that that a lot of other people go, mm, really? I mean, I don't know. Right? Or you know about cars or you know about army tanks or you know about cool stuff, Right? It's great to be a guy, someone said, because a two-week vacation only requires one small suitcase or a small trash bag. <laughs> it's great to be a guy because you can be showered and ready to go in less than 10 minutes. Gray hair and wrinkles add character. It's great to be a guy because the garage is all yours. Just remember that, baby. <laughs> My wife will come out sometimes. She said, you need to move this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't have any rooms in the house. I have nowhere. This is, I come out here and I sit because this is my space. It's great to be a guy because if another guy shows up at a party wearing the same outfit, you'll probably become lifelong best friends. 
It's great to be a guy because you can kill your own food. Well, some still can. Last one, it's great to be a guy because you're king of the grill and hopefully for Father's Day, beef is what's for dinner. Billy Graham said, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, yet one of the most valuable assets to our society. I believe I probably read that every single Father's Day because that is so important. Men, you are important. Don't let the world, don't let anyone tell you you're not important. Now, mothers, moms, women, you are valuable and important also. Equally important. Is that right? Come on. But don't forget, don't, don't minimize yourself and say, well, they're more important. I'm letting, no, in God's eyes, we're all important, aren't we? Psalms 112, beginning in verse 1, says, Praise the Lord, how happy is the man who honors the Lord with fear and finds joy in his law and his word. His children will be powerful in the land. Each family who is right will be happy. Riches and well-being are in his house, and his right standing with God will last forever. What an amazing promise. How happy you can be if we will honor the Lord and honor the word of God. I want to honor you today, dads. Men, I want to honor you. Know this. God is a good God. He wants to bless you. He wants to, if wherever you're at in life, He wants to take you to another level. He wants your marriage to go to a higher level. He wants to bless you. He wants to be that friend. He wants to be there night and day. Amen. Think about all the things that are important to the world, all the things going on. And really, there are two main institutions that God has instituted that He's put His stamp of approval on. Number one is the home. And number two is the church. And you can understand why the devil hates both. And you can understand then, if, if you realize that, you can understand then why the devil has attacked both. And why he is determined to destroy both. But know this, the devil's a loser. I've read the back of the book and we win. The world has messed up ideas. Have you noticed that today? The world's always had some messed up ideas, but it seems like now it's just right in your face. And it's right on TV and, and you know, anywhere you look, there's all kinds of messed up ideas about men and women, about marriage, and about even the church. You know, the church, it, it, it's, it's messed up. I believe in today's environment, that we need to be reminded of something. And man, I'm here to remind you today, it's okay to be a man. It's okay. In fact, the women in your life want you and need you to be a man. Now, that doesn't mean that you're king of the hill and you're, you know, you're, it doesn't mean you're a tyrant. It doesn't mean you're uh, mean. It doesn't mean you're bossy. It means to be Christ-like. It means to be a, a leader like God intended you to be in your family. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30, God said, I sought for a man among them that should stand in the gap and make up the hedge. And I want you to know today that God is still looking for men. God is still looking for men. <laughs> Excuse me, the godly men. The Bible definition of a man. In fact, God needs men and he uses all who are willing. Not just the perfect. I'm so glad. The Bible has so many examples of men, of real men. And many of these things today that we're going to look at, I believe they apply to men and women, to all of us. So just because you're a wife, a mother, a woman here, don't just disconnect and go, oh, well, you know, I should have went to the mountains today. No, I believe there's some things that, 
that God will impart to you too. But I really believe in, in America and in the world over the last many years, the role of a man has been diminished. Society as a whole has looked at man and it's like, you know, not with the honor, not with the respect, not how God created men. And the same, women. Women, you know, you see, you see in sports or you see all kinds of things today, women and their value is being devalued. That's what the devil always does. God always lifts mankind up. God always says, you're special, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And the world always says, no, you're not special, you're messed up, you're no good, you're not of any value, it doesn't matter what happens to you. There's a need today, and I need, and this church needs, and every, need, every church needs, and every family needs, godly men. Men who not, are not perfect, but men who will love God and do their best to seek God. Men who will love their family. Men who will love their spouse. Men who will take their place in Christ, take their place in the church. And in fact, I need godly men in the church. I need you men. God needs you. Amen. If we're going to take some land, we always need some Marines to take some land, don't we? Men and women are not the same. A revelation today. You would not think in church that you had to say that. Men and women are not the same. We're not made the same. It's a good thing that we're different. It's a good thing God... It says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're unique. Men and women have different strengths, and we are not in competition. You know, the world is trying to equate, to, to come up with, with equality, but instead they're trying to come up with sameness. And men and women are not the same. We think differently. Men, it's okay, you know, kind of nod once in the eye. Your wife, you know, may give you one of those in the elbow, you know, in the ribs, but. Men and women are not the same. We're to complement one another. In other words, our strengths and weaknesses are different. And we complement one another. It's not a competition. Society's messed up. Hallelujah. Society's tried to convince women that they can be as masculine as men and men that they can be as feminine as women. And they put them in one big mixing bowl and mix it all up and nobody knows what their role really is. And if you leave it to, to the world, you leave it to society today to teach young men, young women what their role is, they're going to be so messed up. The church must take a stand. Come on now, we must. I'm talking about a woman who knows her place in Christ. In other words, she is God. God lifted up women in Christ, didn't He? Amen. That she, God hears her and He loves her, and He—that's a child of God. And the same, that a man knows his place in Christ, that he is loved by God, that God's for him, that God will help him to be what God created him to be. Y'all still with me? Did you go home? There's such a need today for godly men. We're going to look at a story, and I love this story. Um, let's look at it in 1 Samuel 22. If you have your Bible there, I would encourage you to open it. We've said it many times. It only takes one person, one man, one woman, with faith in Jesus to change a situation. It only takes 
one person. One person, you can change your family from generations on. You be the one. You can change your workplace. You can change even this church. One person lighting, getting on fire and inviting people and praying for people. And you can change even this church. One person. You walk in, and I've done it, and so have you probably. You walk into a room, maybe there's, there's you know, all kinds of things. I've walked in the hospital rooms before where there's just, there's a heaviness. You know, the words that have been spoken and the diagnosis and, and hope is lost. But one person with faith in God can walk in there and say, you know what? I know, and we're not saying those things aren't true, but you know what? We still serve a miracle-working God, and we can pray, and God can hear us, and things can change in Jesus. Jesus name and faith comes you know you can you be that person you're a carrier you be that person so the Bible's full of examples of mighty men change their families change their city change the nation first Samuel 22 did you find it yet let's begin in reading in verse 1 David you know King David the little shepherd boy David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Dulam and so when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Think about who were these men that came? They were distressed, they were discontent, and they were in debt. Sounds like a lot of church people. <clears throat> Come on. They were facing things just like you face things. These were ordinary men who had ordinary problems. And what happened? <clears throat> you know, David, he was quite the little fiery guy, I believe. So he, he taught him things like Psalms 115, verses 11 through 15. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He'll bless the house of Aaron. In other words, I believe he taught him, look, we have a covenant with God. If God be for us, who can be against us? He will bless those who fear the Lord. That would mean reverence, honor, and respect. Obey the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more. You and your children, may you be blessed by the Lord. I believe, I believe he had that spirit of faith. David had that spirit of faith that he put in those men. And something changed in those men. Something changed in those people. You know, you don't have to just because you say, well, daddy was distressed, discontent, and in debt, and grandpa was distressed, discontent, and he was in debt, and great grand I mean, it just runs in my family. Well, you be the, run the one to run it off and to stop it. Yeah. Something changed in them. And I believe if we will open our hearts to God, He will come and He will do something where we are changed, where we are different men, where we are different women, where we are not the same. He just said, look, God's hand is on you. We've got a covenant. Let's do something for God, right? Amen. That's why we say never underestimate God's goodness, His ability or His willingness to bless His children. We don't have to just survive. It's important the people you associate with. Now, I believe in going out in the world. I believe in, in being out there because how are we going to go fishing if we're not any fish around, right? 
I believe in that, but those people are not going to become my best friends. They're not going to be the closest to me. The people that I'm going to allow the closest to me are going to be the ones that encourage me and strengthen me. And I look at their life and I go, man, they got a spirit of faith. It's important the people you run with. Sometimes, and I've had people say, you know, and, oh, well, we love you. We love this church, you know, but, but over here, you know, and, and I'm like, come on, you've got to be where people believe in you, where they believe God, where they can hook up with you. Right? It's important the people you run with. And you need to be running with someone. We don't run the race alone. Hallelujah. We need one another. It means the difference between victory and defeat sometimes. There's been times in my life, if the people that, that I allowed around me, if they hadn't spoken words of faith and encouragement to me, I would not have made it. It's important the people you're in with. And fulfilling the plan of God, it's important. So 2 Samuel 23. So those are the men that came there in 1 Samuel. 2 Samuel 23, and let's just look at some of these men. I love this story. I'd love to preach this about every other week. 2 Samuel 23, verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Now, wait a minute. The men that came, they were all distressed, discontent, and in debt. Not one of them was named. It didn't say, General so-and-so came and came with David. Or this mighty rich person came. Or this amazing warrior came. Or this the smartest guy in all the country. No, it said a bunch of ordinary people, a bunch of men that were just at their ends, end of the rope. That's who came to David. Let's read 2 Samuel 23, beginning of verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joseph Bash. Hebeth. If you're looking for a baby name, there you go. The Tachmanite, chief among the captains. He was called Abino the Esnite because he had killed 800 men at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. Don't name your kid Dodo. The Eohite. And one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel had retreated. In other words, David and three men stayed and everybody else ran off. Pastor David. He's left with just three men. Everybody else. He's like, we're going to do something great for God. And everybody scattered. Verse 10, he arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. Did you see that? The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. In other words, they left it all up to him, but then they came back and enjoyed all the spoil. They said, oh, good job. Thanks. Verse 11, And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Harite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. He's there, all of his buddies are there, they're all there, and the enemy's coming, and they said, you know, he said, all right, let's fight, and everybody ran but him. 
and the sword stuck to him. The enemy had gathered. It's the same today. Not to discourage you too much, but the enemy has gathered against God's people. The enemy, you know, if you haven't had any storms in life, well, I don't believe for them. But sometimes the, the enemy, the storms come, right? Because the enemy, he's out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But this man, he took a stand. And I believe men and women of God today, that the time we live in, we need to take a stand. What are you willing to fight for in your life? Is there anything we're willing to fight for? The day we live in, I believe it's time, in fact, past time, for men and women of God to take a stand. I'm not saying be obnoxious, but don't let the devil just come in. And what happens in society, what happens in anything, the devil usually doesn't just roar in and overtake. Sometimes you feel that way. But usually it's a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. People compromise, they compromise, they compromise. The devil said, oh, this is just more normal. This is normal. This is normal. Oh, the Bible, that's just, that's just archaic. And that's just, that's not really, oh, it's nice literature, but it's not the word of God. What are we willing to fight for? And what you're willing to fight for comes from really what we truly believe. What do we believe? Do we believe the word of God? Do we believe that God's got a plan? Do we believe in His plan for our life? Do we believe in His plan? Let me ask this. I hope you're thinking. What is important enough that you will take a stand? What is the thing in your life, or what are the things in your life that you will take a stand for? Moms and dads, men and women, what are the things that we will stand for? I believe it's important. Will we take a stand for our family? Most of us would say, yes, I will. Well, will you fight for your marriage? Will you fight to make sure that your children hear the word of God? Will, will you, you know, you get up and, may, and maybe it's inconvenient. Will, will you think it's important enough that you'll put yourself into that? Will you, will you teach them the word of God? Will you get good things around them? Will you protect them from wrong influences? What is it that's important enough to you that you will take a stand? Sometimes to have God's best, you've got to take a stand. Let me just say, you've always got to take a stand. Sometimes you've really got to fight. Come on, it's worth it. The things we are willing to fight for show what is important to us. Now fight for my wife. I'll fight for my children. I'll fight for my grandchildren. I'll fight for my church. I'll fight for my people. I'll fight for the Word of God. And I know some, some have told me stories in recent weeks and months, you know, at work, someone said something or, or you know, maybe someone and, and you've had to take a stand and say, you know what? God's a good God. Come on, and I'm not saying, you know, just, just see if you can go to work tomorrow and be obnoxious and just see if you can get fired. I'm not saying that at all. But I do believe we need to take a stand. God's good. He's not out killing, stealing, destroying. God's good. He's faithful. He's kind. God is the answer to all of life's questions, right? The things we will fight for show what's important to us. 
And I believe it's important that we fight for our marriage. I believe it's important we fight for our children. I'm not saying fight in your marriage. Fight for it. In other words, when the devil, and the devil's trying to destroy marriages, he's trying to destroy churches. Amazing amount of churches did not make it through COVID. And many, and, and some have flourished after COVID, but statistically many have not come back to where they were after COVID. We haven't. Not yet. Come on now. The things we will fight for. So let me encourage you today. Take a stand. Take a stand against the enemy. And you think, you know what? I'm out here standing by myself. No. You know, and Mark Hankins, he said this. He said, one man, think about this. He fought for a field of beans. I mean, it's just a field of beans. It wasn't a big city. It wasn't where the gold was stored. It wasn't his home. It wasn't. It was just like, you know what? I've had it. The devil, the enemy keeps taking this, and he took this, and he took this, and he took this. He said, he's not taking my beans. You've got to get to the place where you go, no more, devil. He said, and Pastor Mark, he said, you know, if you let, let the devil take your beans pretty soon, he'll take your enchilada, he'll take your taco, he'll take your, he'll take your whole combination plate. Don't let the devil, if you give him an inch, he'll take another inch and another inch and another. Maybe with your health, you know, you just go, well, it's just my age. It's just the way. No, Amen. take a stand. Say, you know what? <laughs> Caleb and Joshua were old and they took the land and it said their eye was not abated. He could see into that land. Well, it's just the way it is. Now, I know aging and all the process and all that, and I can't run as fast or jump as high as I used to, but I'm fighting it with everything I have. I'm going to have a long, strong, healthy life. Don't just go, well, I'm 55, now it's time to retire, and you know I'll probably die by the time I'm 60. And people give up, and they do die. They do, yeah. you got to fight for your beans. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Ah, you go home to Danes and people say, what's the message about it? I say, I don't know, something about beans. I don't know. <laughs> Take a stand against the enemy. Take a stand. Husbands, you take a stand for your marriage. Wives, you take a stand for your marriage. Take a stand for your children. Come on, I need you to take a stand for this church too. You know what? God's got some plans and we're not giving up we're gonna we're gonna see the plan of god we're gonna pray we're gonna believe god come on is that right take a stand notice he said he positioned himself in the field in other words he said all right this is where i belong i don't feel like being here all my friends and everybody just ran off and i'm taking a stand by myself but i'm gonna take a stand Position yourself. In other words, be in your place. Don't expect somebody else to do it. Moms, you have a responsibility in your family. Dads, so do you. Somehow I just thought everybody would be shouting an amen in by now. <laughs> but notice this. No, I didn't really. Notice this. The Lord brought victory through him. He was out there in his field of beans 
And all he had to do is say, you know what, God, it's me and you. No more. This, the devil's not going to do this anymore. They're not taking any more of my land. The devil's not having anything else. He's not taking any more of my family. He's not stealing any more of my money. He's not stealing any more of my joy. He's not stealing my marriage. No, and Jesus, he's not going to have my kids. He took a stand, and notice it said, it didn't say he did it. It says the Lord brought great victory. But the man had to take a stand. He had to say, that's it. You're not getting my beans. Let's read on. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 17. Some of the rest of the men. Then three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time, and they came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephim. And David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. In other words, the Philistines had Bethlehem. David was sort of trapped, right? And David said, verse 15, with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. He was missing home. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Can you believe that? All he said is, I'd like some water there. And instead of these men saying, oh, David, what's the matter with you? I mean, there's water right here. Why do you want that water? He was longing for God's place and his home, right? They brought the water to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but he poured it out to the Lord. It was a sacrifice, an offering. Verse 17, And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. He said, They sacrificed. These men could have been killed just to get me a drink of water. Amazing. You talk about you talk about a determination. You talk about a commitment. You talk about believing, you know. They're like, man. And really, I think that's, it's a good example, too, we can do as, as men and women for our family. It's like, you know what? We do sacrifice. We do our blood, our sweat, our tears for our family, for the things that are important, for the things that we're fighting for. You read this, and one man killed 300 by himself. Another, you read on, and, and another killed two lion-like heroes of Moab and also killed a lion in a pit with his bare hands. That lion was in the pit, and he didn't just go, I'm lying, you know, he said, I'm going to get down in there, and I'm going to kill that thing. One man, one woman can make a big difference. We said it earlier, one person can make a difference in a family, a neighborhood, a church, a city, a nation. That's why we say it. You ready? We were born for more. We were born for more. If you want to read on, then 1 Chronicles 29, verses 1 through 9. The same, if you're taking notes there, 1 Chronicles 29, verses 1 through 9. These same men who were distressed, discontent, and in debt... When it came time for Solomon to build the temple, David didn't get to build it because he was a man of war, but these same men, David gave a billion dollars, and these same men gave two billion dollars to build the temple. And people get upset, you know, if you have a nice carpet in your church. 
Are you kidding me? You ever read about the temple? It had gold, gold, not gold plated, gold nails where you could not see the nails. And God's the one that told him, this is what I want. You do this for me. These same men who were so in debt, they escaped, they ran for their lives, so to speak, and went to be with David and just hide out from the creditors. And then later on, they gave $2 billion. That's crazy, isn't it? No matter what the enemies used to keep us hiding, we can come out, we can be different today. Our family needs us to be strong men, strong women of God. Society today, the church today, we need to be strong, we need to take a stand. I have one word. Courage. Courage. You have to have courage to live today. Now, in America, you know, we, we, our persecution is so minuscule compared to many parts of the world. And don't get a persecution complex and, oh, you know, uh, the lady at Starbucks, you know, she probably knows I'm a Christian. That's why she didn't make it extra hot or she forgot the second pump or, you know, whatever. Right? We have... We have first world problems in America. I mean, it's like, mm, okay, that's not so bad, right? <clears throat> but it does take courage to take a stand and say, you know what? I'm going to live Christ-like. I'm going to be like Jesus best I know how. I'm going to grow in the knowledge of God. I'm going to raise my children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. My marriage is going to be a godly marriage. We're going to love one another. We're going to try to out-love one another courage it takes courage to really be who God made you to be anybody can cut and run it takes courage to stay in that marriage hallelujah I'm not talking about an abusive relationship but I am talking about just life in general it's so easy and today it's all about how I feel what's best you know it's not about okay what's best for the people I love Hallelujah. Joshua 1, verses 5 through 9. We're not going to read it all, but three times God told Joshua he'd just gone in the promised land. You know, the first word Joshua really got that was directly to him, it was uh, Moses, the one you've been serving, he's dead. Now you're in charge. What are you going to do with all these people? <laughs> and I'm sure he went, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do because Moses was the man. So God showing how he is three times here in this scripture. If you're taking notes, write it down. Joshua 1, verses 5 through 9. Three times he said, Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good The Lord is with you. Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord. This man, that man that stood there and fought for his beans, he knew the Lord would help him, I believe. He knew he wasn't doing it by himself. There's many times and so many things in life we know, if God doesn't help me, I'm cooked. But know that God will help you. We're passionate about loving Jesus. Loving our spouse and family, aren't we? And loving others. Ephesians 5, we're not going to read all this either, but verses 25 through 28 says, Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Verse 28, you skip down, it says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And then 
men. I'm not picking on you. As you read on, women, it says, and see that the woman honor or respect her husband. Husbands and wives, show honor to your mate. Try to outlove each other. Try to outlove each other. Speak well. Show love and respect. Be courteous to one another. Don't run your mate down in front of your kids. Understand this. Mom and dad, you are leaders. You are the parents. You are the leaders. And leaders are leaders all the time. Leaders are leaders all the time. In other words, at work, people are watching you. Well, I'm just, you know, I just sit back here in the back of the church and I'm not really a leader. No, people are watching you. Come on. Why is respect lost? Sometimes people say, well, they don't deserve my respect. Maybe they don't. But you love them and you pray for them and believe in them. And with men, men many times will rise up. Women, I'm telling you. Come on. Why is respect lost? Usually through dishonesty, lies, things like that. Proverbs 10 and verse 9 says, Honesty lives confident and carefree, but shifty is sure to be exposed. Your kids know, your mom and dad, you're, you know, don't lie to your kids. You miss it. They know you missed it. Just say, darling, I missed it. Darling, I lost my temper. I'm sorry. Don't be like, oh, well, you know, that's a, I'm the mom or I'm the dad, and you just, you know, you just, and then. They'll lose respect for you. Family, a place of security and comfort. Praise the Lord. The words I love you can never be overused with your family. Hallelujah. Man, am I, am I beating you up too much today? I don't mean to. I believe God wants to challenge us. If the church in America doesn't take a stand, then the world as a whole, not just America, but the world is, I mean, we have to take a stand. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I really believe that society is pushing some things, and you know, we've been like, okay, well, okay, well, you know, and we don't want to, we don't want to be controversial, you know, and so we won't even talk about that. But society has pushed some things so far that if the church doesn't take a stand, who will? The words I love you. Let me just throw this in there too. Uh, kids never have a good divorce. Cindy was with some some wonderful minister women, and and most of them, you know, they're they're uh, in their fifties and sixties, just this week, and they talked about their families growing up. And thank God, Cindy and I. Our, our parents weren't perfect, but they loved God. They loved one another. And Cindy's, Cindy's parents came to the place of, of loving God and, and like that. And, you know, an awesome place. But they talked about their families. And we were just talking about that. You think about, I mean, they've been out of their parents' homes for 30 years. And still that impacted them so much. 
Tell your family I love you. Tell your family by your words and your actions, verbal and nonverbal. Genesis 18, let's, let's uh, hurry here. Y'all still with me? Uh, okay, well, a couple are over here, so that's enough. I'm going to keep going. Genesis 18, 19. God said about Abraham, he said, I've chosen him for a reason, namely that he will carefully instruct his children and his household to keep themselves strong in relationship to me and to walk in my ways by doing what is good and right in the world and by showing mercy and justice to all others. I know he will uphold his end of the covenant so that he can ensure my promises to him will be fulfilled and upheld as well. One reason God chose Abraham is because he knew he would teach his kids. You say, my kids are grown. Well, don't give up on them. You keep praying for them. You keep loving them. You keep being an example to them. Hallelujah. Say, well, this one, and they're not serving God, or that one's not serving God, or this one believes this, or this one doesn't believe anything. Well, it's not over yet. Come on, are you with me? Praise the Lord. God's a good dad. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 15. Paul said, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. He said, uh, he said there's lots of teachers, there's lots of people. But he said, he was, what he's saying is, he said, nobody cares for you like I care for you. There's something about a father's love. There's something about a mother's love. You care for them. You take that stand in the bean field and say, no, these are my kids. This is my wife. This is my husband. Devil, you're not going to take it. Judges 2 and verse 10. Also that generation were gathered to their fathers, and there arose a generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet their works which He had done for Israel. That's a sad scripture. The parents did not take a stand enough to fight in their bean field because teaching them the things of God was not that important to the parents. That's sad. Joel 1 and verse 3, the prophet said, Tell it to your children, let your children tell it to their children, and their children to the next generation. We need to teach our kids the things that are important. I believe it's important. You need to teach your kids, and we'll end here in a minute with that. But you need to teach them about the Word of God. You need to teach them that God is their answer. You need to teach them to pray. How do you do it? Well, just be an example. I know you're not going to pray perfect. Nobody does. You just be you. You're talking to God, and He loves you and cares about you. Hallelujah. Psalm 78. Let's, let's finish up here. This is my last scripture. No, my next to last, I guess. Sorry. Psalm 78, beginning in verse 1. It says, Listen, dear friends, to God's truth. Bend your ears to what I tell you. I'm chewing on the morsel, the morsel of a proverb. I'll let you on in the sweet old truths. Stories we heard from our fathers. Stories we heard from our fathers. Counsel we learned at our mother's knee. 
Oh, it's, it's not up to me. Just the schools. They can teach it in Sunday school and children's church. And, and they can teach all that stuff. And I don't know anything about that. And, and, and that's up to them. No, Mama and Daddy, it's up to you. Counsel we learned at our mother's knee. Not just things we learned from our friends. Not just the things we saw on TV. We're not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the next generation. What? God's fame and fortune. The marvelous things he's done. He planted a witness in Jacob, said his word firmly in Israel. In other words, he talked about the covenant. Then commanded our parents to teach it to their children so the next generation would know. And all the generations to come know the truth and tell the stories so their children can trust in God. Never forget the works of God, but keep His commands to the letter. Hallelujah. We tell it to our children. My kids are grown. Yeah, mine are, but I'm still telling them. My grandkids... I'm still telling them, Jesus loves you. God loves you. God's good. He's faithful. You can trust Him. His Word is true. Come on. The most important thing you can do with your children is to teach them the things of God and put that spirit of faith in them. That spirit of faith. You know, a spirit of faith... Uh, really, that's, that's, you can't just study. I believe you can get a spirit of faith to a degree that way, but a spirit of faith really, I believes, believe, comes in many ways by association. The people you're around. You see that spirit of faith in mama. You see that prayer, that determination, that, you know what, devil, you're not taking my beans. You see that spirit of faith in the dad, the husband. Come on. The most important thing, your job's important, putting the beans on the table, that's important, all that. Sometimes, though, I think as men, we do have that desire to provide for our family. Women, that is just built in to men. And, and I don't think it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. But some men I've seen, it's like, well, I do the providing, and that's my job, and I, that's it. No, there's more than that, isn't there? Hallelujah. I've used the example of a coach. A good coach doesn't just say, well, okay, I'm the baseball coach. Here's the bats. Here's the gloves. Here's some baseballs. There's the field. I've provided now go do it. No, a coach gets in there and they show and they teach and they do, right? It's the same with your children. It's the same with your family. That's how they're going to see that spirit of faith. That's how they're going to know. Teach your children. Talk to your children about the things of God. I like, and we don't have the scripture up here, but Malachi 4, 6 says, Before the coming of the Lord, the hearts of the fathers will be turned to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. God is calling moms and dads to take a stand for their family. Hallelujah. And I believe it's a sign of the time we live in. They talk about kids today, some of the younger kids. The, the thing they cry out for more than anything is real relationships because they have so many 
so many online things or so many things that are just shallow, so many things that aren't. There's that, that thing we're missing more and more today is that real connection. Face-to-face. Parents, it's okay. They have a phone, they have an iPad, whatever. But understand this. There are times they need to put that down and they need to hear you. They need to hear your voice. You need to hear their voice. They need to look you in the eye. You need to look them in the eye. In other words, a real connection. I believe people, and thank God for all the people we can reach online, reach people all over the world. But there's something about coming together as a body also. Coming together as a family. To be able to hug one another, to encourage one another, to to pray for one another. There's just something about that. Hallelujah. We had this, uh, I don't know what happened to it. We sold that house. We had a thing on our front door. And it was uh, this, it was Joshua 24:15. We close right here, Joshua 24:15. It said, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house. He didn't say, well, as for me, you know, and, and that's what society today, society just wants wimpy men, right. wimpy women too. <laughs> Society's just like, oh no, don't take it, just don't, don't stand out, just be, you know, just be blah, you know. No. The man in the bean field, he said, I'm tired of the devil taking my stuff. I've had it. No more. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Well, I'm just let them choose their own way, and you know, and, and it took me a long time to figure out, and yeah, yeah, and you know, you can't force your will, and I'm not telling you to do that, but you teach and show. Come on. Well, my my six year old, he, he, you know, he doesn't want to come to church, and he'd rather play on his iPad. Well, who's the parent? Sound like to me, he's got you trained. Right? Who's training who, in other words? Now, I'm not picking on anybody. I hope you know that. But I do believe that it's a godly thing to be strong in the Lord, men and women. And I do believe that men are called to take their place in the family And in the body of Christ, just like women are called to take their place in the family and in the body of Christ. There's all kinds of statistics, but men, if you'll get in your place, almost always the family will follow along. And I'm not beating you up. I'm just saying, don't be afraid to take that place. I understand. You know, you take it many times with fear and trembling. You go, I, I don't know what to do. I don't have all the answers for this family. Who am I? Lord, what am I supposed to do? But remember, it said the Lord brought about a great victory. We don't do it alone. The Lord helps us. He gives us so many times... Moms and dads, 
Have you ever cried out and said, God, I don't know what to do with this kid? <laughs> God, I don't know what to do in this God, I, I don't know what to do financially here. God, my, my children's been attacked with sickness. What do I do? God, my wife's been attacked with sickness. What do I do? As men, I don't know how other men are, but as men, you know, and as a leader, sometimes you think, well, I've got to have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. None of us do. But God does. Doesn't that take some of the pressure off? It did for me when I finally went, I don't have to know everything, <laughs> but God does. I'm so grateful for mighty men, mighty women too. Father's Day, we celebrate the mighty men of God. The mighty men of God in our lives, the men, those men with a spirit of faith. I celebrate my daddy, my father-in-law, my brother. I celebrate the men of God, Brother Beerman, Mark Hankins. I celebrate the Hagen family, Brother Hagen. Those men with that spirit of faith. And Paul, we read it, he said, to follow me. Oh, what a thing to be able to say. Many times in my life, I hadn't been able to look at my son or my daughter and say, you know, just do what I'm doing. But I endeavor to get over those times. Repent, learn, get up, and go again. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you for the mighty men you've placed in our life. Father God, here we are. We are determined to be who you made us to be. Lord, we're not satisfied. We'll not just go downstream with all the dead wood. We will take a stand. We stand on your word. We stand on your faithfulness. We stand on your promises. We stand in the name of the Lord Jesus. We resist the devil. He will not stop the plan of God in our lives, in our marriage, in our family, in our children, in our church, in our nation. We take a stand in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. And just as your word says, we're strong in the Lord. We're strong in the Lord. We're strong in the Lord. Let me give you opportunity today, men, women, anyone. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, don't wait. Don't wait. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Pray with me. Something like this. Just open your heart to God. Say, I want to be that mighty man. I want to be who you created me. I want to be that mighty woman. I want to be your daughter. I want to be your son, God. I'm not happy with my life. I need more. I know there's more. I believe you're real. I believe you care about me. I believe you, you, you have things for me to do in this life. I believe I'm not an accident. I'm here for a purpose. Pray, it starts right here. Just pray that something like this. Say, God in heaven, I come in Jesus' name. And I believe with all my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That Jesus is alive and Jesus is Lord. Now call him Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord. I will serve you all the days of my life. Fill me today 
and every day with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Now, if you pray that and you believe it, God's working in your life. Take a stand. Tell someone. Don't, you know, you got to take a stand. Anybody that accomplished anything in the Bible or anybody that accomplishes anything even today in life, they take a stand. What do they believe? What's important? What are they willing to fight for?